It's time now for St. Mary Healthline. Your health is your most precious asset, and every Wednesday at 9 a.m., you can tune in for advice on how to better manage your health. Hear about important medical issues from the doctors and professionals across all service lines from St. Mary Medical Center. So without any further ado, it's time now for the St. Mary Healthline. All right, Octoon out there, St. Mary Healthline, and in the arena today, we're talking to Dr. Jameson Jaffe, Division Chair, Department of Urology. Good to see you, Doc. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, I guess they could, Dr. J is probably already taken. Do they have a nickname for you? Uh, Dr. J is first I heard of it. Dr. P, maybe? I don't know. Maybe, I'll take I, either one. <laughs> either one. But he is with uh, St. Mary's and been with them about five years. Talk about your uh, background, Doc, where you came from and... How you get involved in what you're doing? We're talking prostate health today, and as soon as somebody says that, it's oh, uh, what do we got to know and what do we got to do? Yeah, well, I'm a uh, local boy. I grew up in uh, Richboro, yeah, uh, right outside the hospital. Actually, I came to St. Mary in high school. Actually, when I got injured, so I've been involved with the hospital for quite some time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, After um, you know high school, went to college at uh, Penn State, then came back to Philadelphia for medical school. Okay. I did my residency at Einstein in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And ended my fellowship in robotics and minimally invasive uh, urologic surgery in Paris, France. All right. And you played uh, halfback at the Penn State, too? Or? Uh, I did not make oh, the football did team. did not make yeah. the football team. Yeah. Okay. Well, just thought uh, your background and training, you are a local guy, and uh, you've been with St. Mary's. You were elsewhere, and you got two St. Mary's, and we were talking ahead of time how they're recruiting, uh, almost like Nick Saban of uh, Alabama, trying to get the, the best, the brightest, and you really got a lot going on there, don't you, at St. Mary's? Very, very ambitious and very aggressive. Oh, yeah. The administration's done an amazing job at um, really recruiting a lot of talent. Uh, I used to work downtown in the city at one of the university hospitals, and um, with my background in robotics, St. Mary really wanted to bring that to Bucks County. Robotics. Yeah, so that's how they that's how they work now, huh? And you're kind of the, the man behind the curtain there doing, doing all that stuff? Um, pretty much, yeah. We do surgery now, um, not even touching the patient. We just hook them up to the computer um, or the robot and sit at a computer and do the entire surgery. So wow. it's pretty surreal. Maybe we should have R2-D2 in here with you next week. <laughs> that's, that's actually what my kids think I do. Yeah. What does uh, a urologist do, Doc? So we're the, um, the surgeons that take care of uh, the kidneys, the bladder, uh, the prostate. Uh, so, you know, medically we manage guys with enlarged prostate, sometimes surgically manage those guys. We also take care mm-hmm. of kidney stones. We take care of men and women. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and it, it's all encompassing, too, and it, you don't really think about it until you ha- have an issue. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think most people realize how important urologists are until they need one. And then yeah. when, they, when they need one, they realize you know how much we do. But, yeah, we do a lot of different things. And it's interesting because it's surgery and medicine, so it's a mm. little bit of a mix of everything. Yeah. In my experience, uh, just a, a checkup there, they uh, discovered a hernia. So I had to repair that. In, in a way, it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise. Uh, and during the exam, I said, "Oh, you got a, another issue here." So uh, that doesn't happen that often, though, does it? It's usually uh, yeah. Some yeah. some urologists do hernias. Um, yeah. Personally, I don't, um, but I do mm-hmm. see a lot of guys. And since we're generally in that vicinity, sometimes mm-hmm. we pick up things we're not necessarily right. looking for. Yeah, but with uh, with uh, anything else, it's always about the screening, and whether it's for cancer or it's for something or other. 
screening for prostate, or we used to get the uh, the the glove and that kind of stuff, and where does it go from there? Um, so for guys, I mean, the most important thing from a urologist standpoint is screening for prostate cancer. Mm. So, you know, we recommend that in guys, you know, starting at the age of 50 for the most part. 50, um, yeah. Sometimes if guys have a family history, we'll start a little earlier. Um, you know, if, if their dad, their uncle, their brothers had prostate cancer, you know, we'd like to see them a little earlier than 50 just to get them, you know, started. Mm. And, you know, the screening process, it's really easy. It's just a blood test, a PSA. And an exam every year. So I guess with that glove thing you're talking about. So. Yeah, and they've, and they've even Major League Baseball gets involved with that too, with the with the uh, the screening and and PSAs and readings. And you, if you're if you're at one, that's great. If you're at four, you have to. <clears throat> You know, that's the numbers. That's where it's a world of numbers out there. Yeah, I mean, and for us, it's, it's not just even like what the number is today. It's like kind of what the number is today. What was yeah. it a year ago? So it's having a lot yeah. of information. So the important thing is doing it every year yeah. and not just doing it once and saying, hey, I'm good and just dropping yeah. it from there. Doctor, you do a lot, of, probably a lot of R&D, a lot of research and development and case history and everything else. And is there a, a profile for a, a, a typical uh, prostate patient or somebody at risk is there a typical profile that you can go to or is everybody is it different for everybody yeah i mean you know prostate cancer is so common um one in seven white guys will get prostate cancer Mm. one in five black guys will get prostate cancer so there's not really like a typical guy i mean the typical guy is any guy i mean you know big tall short fat skinny you know you know white black you know what every guy is affected by prostate cancer Mm -hmm. so every guy has to be screened you know it has nothing to do with tobacco it has nothing to do with diet exercise it's it's just unfortunately random random and it's a very high incidence are there risk factors uh, involved or uh, there's a certain markers or risk factors or certain kind of indicators that say uh, this the equipment is not functioning exactly the way we thought it was going to. Yeah, I mean, the biggest risk factor that we have is really genetics and family history. You know, so if you're a male and your dad has prostate cancer or had prostate cancer and your uncle mm. or your brothers have had prostate cancer, you're, you're at higher risk of getting prostate cancer. There's also, now there's a lot of work on genetic mutations and things like that that we can even screen for to tell guys if they're at higher risk of developing prostate cancer. But the important thing is, just like I said earlier, just getting screened, making sure everyone gets screened every year with both the examination and the um, the blood test, the PSA. Yeah. Sometimes you get the uh, the frequent urination, and that could be could be diabetes, right? Some other, you never know, right? But you have to find all that out. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of symptoms that can be related to an enlarged prostate, which we take care of, which has nothing to do with cancer. But you still have to make sure there's nothing more serious going on than just an enlarged prostate, or like you said, diabetes, mm-hmm. or, or many different things can affect the way that guys urinate. Yeah, and it's it's diagnosed with all that and the information and exactly what would you be looking for in a diagnosis of uh, slightly enlarged or or anything like that. And then you is it from it's from year to year then right? That's the you say if it stayed the same, great. If not, well. What do you do? Yeah, so when we're examining a guy, um, you know, we're, we're looking for a couple of things. Obviously, with the blood test, we're just looking at the number. We're making sure that it's below a certain value. You know, we want the PSA mm-hmm. below four, yeah. but we also don't want it to go up too fast. So we're looking at the year-to-year numbers as well. And then on the exam, you know, we're looking for the size of the prostate, the shape of the prostate, what's it feel like, is it hard, are there lumps, does the left side feel the same as the right side? Mm. Uh, so just really a lot of symmetry, nothing hard, nothing lumpy, nothing bumpy. 
Yeah. When you first, uh, I guess the business has changed so much when you started too, right? It seems to be more uh, information driven, a lot of research involved. Uh, certainly, more you know more now than than you did before, right? Yeah, I mean, I am a younger doc, so I'm yeah. kind of used to the computer age and, you know, doing a fellowship in robotics. I'm, I'm definitely geared towards technology. Mm. Um, but, yes, I mean, everything's so different now. I mean, even things that we're doing at St. Mary now, we weren't doing a year and a half ago. Mm. And, and it's it's groundbreaking how it's changed the way we, we manage patients. Before you go to break, what got you to that level of study? I mean, you could have been a cardiologist or someone to got you the field that you were involved with. Family history? Uh, an event or just at random? Um, no, kind of at random. I mean, i am always been a gadget and tech guy. Um, yeah. I've always loved, you know, playing video games and, you know, things like that. And um, robotics was really geared towards urology at the time. So it was pretty much the ultimate gadget and toy. So it really, you know, drove my interest and sparked my interest. So they call you Inspector Gadget there at uh, St. Mary's? And I don't know what they call me there. <laughs> Well, we'll, we're not going to repeat that. We're going to keep that a secret. We're talking to Dr. Jameson Jaffe, Division Chair, Department of Urology at St. Mary's, our health line, Prostate Health, coming right back. Going to be talking about MRI fusion when we come back. Imagine stopping deadly heart attacks and strokes with a tiny patch the size of a coin. Imagine replacing and repairing 40 heart valves through a two-inch incision. Imagine correcting irregular heartbeats with radio frequency energy. St. Mary Medical Center heart specialists solve the most complex cases with advances never before imagined. For a physician referral, call one eight four four seven saint mary St. Mary Medical Center. It's your health. Expect more. I'm Jean Coyle, President and CEO of Penn Community Bank, the second largest mutual in Pennsylvania and the 20th largest in the country. We have built a powerhouse community bank with banking, investments, and insurance. We have the technical expertise of those other banks, but we operate under a structure that has no outside stockholders and no quarterly earnings pressure. We have business lending, cash management, and up-to-date technology. You should bank here. Learn more about us at PennCommunityBank.com. We now return to St. Mary Healthline. Yeah, we got Dr. J in the house, Dr. Jamison Jaffe this time around, Department of Urology, and he's the robotic guy. He's uh, the man behind the machines. And tell you what, uh, it's this thing called MRI fusion, diagnosing prostate cancer, and uh, tell me all you know about it. All right. I don't know anything about it, but you could certainly. All right. So, um, so when we see those guys that I was talking about yeah. who are being screened for prostate cancer and something shows up abnormal, whether it's the PSA mm-hmm. or the exam, uh, usually we'll recommend a, a biopsy if we repeat the lab test and it's still abnormal. Uh, and so some of those guys will actually go on and get a biopsy. And when they do, y- you know, not all of those biopsies are going to be positive. So for the guy who, say, has a negative biopsy and then we continue to follow their numbers, let's say their numbers start to continue to rise Mm -hmm. after they've already had a negative biopsy, well, the only option we used to have was, say, to repeat the same type of biopsy, which we typically do in our office with an ultrasound. Yeah. And hopefully get a consistent result. Yeah, Yeah. or hopefully you hit something or find something you didn't Mm -hmm. find the first time. But now what we have, and it's truly amazing, but we have this technology where we can actually do an MRI of the guy's prostate. If the MRI shows an area, it can even be a few millimeters, four or five millimeters in size, so very, very small. 
we can then take that MRI and using a computer fuse the picture from the MRI with the real-time ultrasound, the ultrasound. Like picture in picture there, like the old TVs. It's there. not even in picture. Mm-hmm. It's actually a picture on top of the picture. And wow. then the computer generates like a real live MRI that we're using in the operating room. Ooh. So we can shoot and aim for these really small lesions. So instead of getting Man, a second would. or third or fourth prostate biopsy, we do this one biopsy and we can target little things that there's no way you would ever find them and then make magnified. the diagnosis. Oh, yeah, like magnified. So it's yeah, that would be. So you're increasing your percentages. That's for sh- no no question about that. Uh, well, the accuracy of the MRI fusion is dramatically wow. better than a standard ultrasound Fairly new? biopsy. Yeah, we've been doing it at St. Mary for about a year. There's not a lot of hospitals in the region that are offering this technology. Mm. Uh, so we are really proud that we we're able to bring it to Bucks County. Wow, that's that's really something. And because a lot of times, it, with I'm sure with uh, what you do and what a lot of doctors do is. Yeah, there's a lot more than multiple tests, but they're also saying we're also going to find out what it isn't. Yeah. They rule out things before they can rule in. I mean, that's all part of it. You were going to eliminate that possibility, and that's also part of the part of the diagnosis as well, what it, what it isn't rather than what it is. Right, absolutely. I mean, yeah. and before we had this technology, there were guys you would see get two, three, four, five prostate biopsies over and over. They would switch urologists. They would, you know, just trying to get an accurate diagnosis. Now, typically, we can get the MRI done. If the mm-hmm. MRI is suspicious for something, you know, immediately do the biopsy, and, and the the yield and the accuracy is much higher. Doctor, is there something that when you take a look at it, you see something that you don't like? Is there maybe a certain color change or d- darker area? Or what exactly when you have all this all this stuff in motion here, what, what exactly would you be looking at? Yeah, so the radiologist, and, and we can't do this on our own, so no. you know, I have to yeah. give credit to the radiologist yeah. who read and work with us very mm-hmm. closely. So the radiologist will read the MRI reports for us and we'll review them with them. So they classify lesions as far as the risk. And, you know, if they see a mass or a nodule or a bump or something like that on the prostate MRI that's suspicious, you know, we'll review that with them. And those are the areas that we're going to try to target when we do that MRI fusion biopsy. Yeah. That is the amazing process, too, because we're, you're probably now with a staff of many and you're working with, you know, like I say, radiologists, uh, nursing assistants, uh, uh, navigators. Uh, coordinators, uh, office personnel, collating all that information before you even see a patient. And it's amazing how this stuff really, you know, it goes into play, having been a part of it. You, you're hoping everything works out right, and it usually does. It's it's a lot of moving parts There is to, 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 to do before you even... Uh, before they even see you. Yeah, it's true. And, and especially with this type of technology, there, it relies on so many different people. I mean, it's obviously yeah. the urologist, myself, my partners. Mm. Um, like I said, the radiology department, it's not just one. Um, you know, the, the nurses in the operating room, the office staff. Yeah, there's so many people that actually have to be working, that have to work very closely together, especially on a project like this to make it work. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, the, the people that you're with have to be all in uh, 100% like you are. And that's what they're recruiting, and like-minded people and professionals that are all in on all of this stuff uh, to the mat. And it's got to be pretty exciting, too, don't you think? Uh uh, what you're talking about, it's, it is kind of exciting. Oh, it is. I mean, yeah. it, the, ma- the most amazing thing is, like I said, we've been doing this at St. Mary for about a year, maybe a little longer than a mm-hmm. year. The technology hasn't been around much longer than that. Yeah. 
And now looking back at the way I managed things three years ago, which isn't that long of time, no. seems archaic. Yeah. And almost seems a little barbaric. Flintstones. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it really is. So three years ago, the way we did something is so radically different sure. as a result of having this technology That's available. Cool. So it really does benefit the community, you know, because yeah. it keeps people at St. Mary. And, you know, if you live in Bucks County, you don't want to have to drive down to, you know, a university yeah. hospital for this type of no, care. No. And really, that's kind of what my partners and I have been trying to provide at St. Mary's since we've been there. Stay stay within the with the system. Do you go uh, over the across country lecturing about stuff that you've seen and done? Do you sort of, uh, do you do get out of the office to go to conventions and talk about what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, we, we, my partners and I always go to, you know, national and international conferences. Um, you know, prior to coming to St. Mary's, we worked at a university hospital downtown mm. and worked with residents and, and fellows and trained physicians and medical students. And, you know, I was on staff at you know, one of the university, the, um, the medical universities downtown as well. So I used to, you know, present research all over the world. Yeah. Um, not as much now that I'm at a um, more community hospital at St. Mary, right. but we're still able to provide the same level of care yeah. in the community, which is really uh, astounding. Yeah, you're right in that corridor there because uh, a lot of the people that we talked to had, had done some work at George Washington uh, down in GW, down in the graduate from GW, worked in Washington, then moved their way up here, and it's in, in between New York here, Baltimore, and Washington. Seems like a very uh, hotbed of a lot of uh, medical activity. Oh yeah, I mean research and things. Yeah, the Northeast is amazing for medical research and and just the um, access to amazing care. Yeah. Now you were talking about uh, all the things that you do the the pa- the patients and the patient. You're also in edu- in the ed- in the education business too. Patients have to try to digest all that and what they're doing, and they're going to be uh, under all that. How do the, how is that going too with the, with the with the patients? Are they as on board with you and so what exactly is happening or what do, what do I go from here when we got all that fusion stuff going on yeah I mean I think the patients here are very receptive to the level of care that we've brought to St. Mary um, and it's very rewarding um, you know patients in this region are very educated um, they're very educated um, patients so they they do a lot of their research and they do a lot of um, you know their own I guess, data gathering before they even come and see me. So I find my job here isn't as much telling people what they need to do. It's more speaking with them, helping them understand the process, and really educating them beyond what they've already done so they can make a decision that's right for them. Right, and you're probably well ahead of the curve. You have probably met with them several times and kind of give them an overview on kind of the game plan and how this is going to pan out, you know, and, and kind of give them a step-by-step, play-by-play how it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, sometimes these are patients that I've cared for for a while. Other times, um, to be honest, they're Mm -hmm. patients who have been with another urologist for quite some time, and they're kind of in that loop that I talked about, keep getting repetitive biopsies, and someone either turns them on to what we're doing at St. Mary, this technology we have available, and we can kind of stop that process that they've been in, that almost like that merry-go-round, pull them out of it, do the one biopsy with the MRI fusion, give them the answers they've been looking for, and then kind of move on with, you know, their ultimate treatment plan. Yeah, and that's not all who you're talking to. You're probably talking to their primary physician as well as urologist. So you probably have a, a lot of chain of information that between other doctors, too, that before you even do any of this stuff, right? I mean, the, the 
networking. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of physicians, obviously, to work at St. Mary Medical Center. And the nice thing is a lot of the doctors are all working on the same system. So there's a lot of integration of the healthcare information. So it's not, you know, mm-hmm. you're not gathering this from here. Mm-hmm. You, you basically have access to everything working within the same system, which you, is nice. You got it. We're talking to Dr. Jameson Jaffe, Division Chair, Department of Urology at St. Mary's Prostate Health. Coming right back. Imagine stopping deadly heart attacks and strokes with a tiny patch the size of a coin. Imagine replacing and repairing faulty heart valves through a two-inch incision. Imagine correcting irregular heartbeats with radio frequency energy. St. Mary Medical Center heart specialists solve the most complex cases with advances never before imagined. For a physician referral, call 1-844-7-ST-MARY. St. Mary Medical Center. It's your health. Expect more. Tasty Cake would like to salute you, the great sports fans of Philadelphia. Whether your team is up or down, there's one winner you always count on. Tasty Cake. With fan favorites like candy cakes, crimpets, mini donuts, and our famous pies. Tasty Cake has been Philly's ticket to Major League Goodness for over 100 years. Find Tasty Cake treats at a store near you. For yourself, for your team, and just for the fun of it. Tasty Cake. We now return to St. Mary Healthline. Uh, we're in the arena. That's right. Uh, Dr. Jameson Jaffe is uh, Department of Urology talking a lot of great stuff here. And, you know, for more information or to schedule consultation, you can call the St. Mary Cancer Center at 215-710-5300 or get to the website www.stmaryhealthcare.org backslash or front slash cancer center. And get out all the information. That is the business, Doctor. Is it's information, information. Give me more, give me more. Right. To, the more they know, the the better off they'll be. Exactly. The educated, you'd be your own best advocate too, right? You're always in that education part of uh, uh, of the business as well. Oh, absolutely. It's the most important thing is letting the patient truly understand what's happening, so they yeah. can make the best decision for themselves. Do you find it, uh, Doctor, that you have to try to make time for the patients? They always say, "Well, you only have X amount of minutes to make it count." And uh, I, I used to bring file cards with me from my primary or whatever if i had questions i you're in the moment all of a sudden you freeze up a little like deer in the headlights oh i forgot to do that yeah i think that is the best thing for yeah. patients to do is write stuff do down yeah. i mean i know the way they schedule our office it's mm. not overwhelming and yeah. it does give us time to spend with patients um i'm not always the best at running on time but i feel because i give patients all the time they need right so as long as you don't mind waiting you know here and there once in a while i will give patients every yeah. minute that they absolutely need so when they leave the office like they don't they know what's going on i don't yeah. want anyone confused i don't want anyone going home and saying hey i have no idea yeah. what's going on i think uh, patients can empathize with other patients hey uh you know we're all kind of on the same boat here a couple of minutes either way uh you know everybody seems to be at least mentally prepared for what they have to do and that, that's important as well yeah and if i think it, as long as you give people the time that they need they'll they appreciate yeah. that and most most don't mind the, okay. the wait once in a while well, uh, uh, when you undergo the process and if a biopsy indicates an abnormality, then you move on to where? The next step to, uh, to, to process? Well, yeah, so like I mean, we're talking about? Yeah, so if the biopsy then reveals like a prostate cancer and that's the re- re- mm. reason the PSA was elevated yep. or the exam was abnormal or the MRI showed something, 
yeah, the next step is coming up with a treatment plan for the patient. Mm. Um, and, you know, fortunately, we can basically handle all levels of prostate cancer treatment at St. Mary Medical Center. Um, because of our expertise in surgery, radiation, mm-hmm. um, there's really no reason for anyone uh, in the local community to go anywhere but St. Sure. Mary Medical Center. You find uh, tumors, I assume, and do they get shrunk or things like that? Is there... Um, what happens? Well, there, there's multiple different ways of treating prostate cancer. Uh, one of the newer things are for guys that say have lower risk prostate cancer is is active surveillance. So mm. it's a nice way of really doing nothing, but keeping an eye on the guy, yeah. following the labs, following the exams, and just making sure nothing gets out of control. And I think some guys avoid all of this because they don't want to have surgery. They don't want to undergo all the risks of surgery or radiation. And they're just really not educated on all the options. Yeah. So really when we see a guy or when anyone in our practice would see a guy with prostate cancer, the three options that we really go over a, a lot are surgery, radiation, and we really do stress the importance and the role of active surveillance, which is delaying treatment until we know it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, you're mentally prepared. For, yeah, while you're talking, you're mentally prepared the patient for, all right, what's the next step now? Sometimes you're just not ready <laughs> to... to Oh, my God, I can't take it anymore. And then pretty soon, then you say, well, what's your alternative? Then you're back, Mm -hmm. and you're back on board again. But you could certainly understand some of the reluctance or resignation of some patients at times. Oh, no doubt. I mean, when you give someone news like you have cancer or prostate, any kind of cancer, I mean, it's awful news to get. And the family as well. It's a collateral damage as well. Yeah, I mean, nobody ever wants to hear that. Um, Now, fortunately, prostate cancer tends to be a very slow-growing cancer. Typically, if treated well, really, you should not die from prostate cancer. Uh, And now we have so many options. And even with the, you know, obviously I'm a little, you know, biased towards a robotic Mm -hmm. surgery because I did a fellowship in that. But the way that surgery is and the way the patients recover, it's so much better than the way it used to be with a big incision, a long hospital stay. I mean, it's it's almost an outpatient surgery at this point. Right. And and probably the the time spent and all the things that you do, you probably have uh, gotten things soon rather than later. And you've been more of an interventional where you get uh, you get uh, you catch something early in the game, and, and when it's treated sooner, your percentages have to be in your favor. Oh, no doubt. I mean, yeah. years ago, and sometimes you see it today. Um, most men would present with what's called metastatic disease. Mm. I mean, the prostate cancer had already spread beyond the prostate; it was in the bones, it was in yeah. other organs. At that point, there's very little that you can do. Uh, now, with the PSA and the exams on guys who have gotten screened when they're supposed to get screened every year, very rarely is it even symptomatic. We're picking up so early that we're giving these guys the option of, like I said, sometimes doing nothing and just keeping an eye on it. You're right. And that, that, and you could just return to an active lifestyle, and sometimes it's, you know, it sidelines you for a while. But like you say, you get it early in the game. Hey, it's like... Uh, an early intervention, it has to be in your favor to do that and just move on to the next thing. And probably when you're treating, then the percentages of staying that way are, are up there as well. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Coming I mean, back. I think the key in anything in medicine is obviously early detection. Um, obviously, prostate cancer falls in line with all of that. The mm-hmm. earlier you detect something, the more options you have and the better those options are on treating and curing the cancer. You ever have any patients that are very young? I mean, talk about under, you know, sometimes after 40 or 50, but sometimes something happens. People in their 30s, 40s or somehow they get to you. Does that happen? Yeah. I mean, the youngest I don't patient. don't know why. Yeah. I mean, uh, the youngest patient I had ever operated on for prostate cancer was 38. 
Uh, and he had an exam by another urologist that was abnormal and was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And since that urologist didn't do robotics, uh, he sought out a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came across and met him. But he, he was the youngest. And 38 is scary because I'm, you know, I'm 45 now. So yeah. to think that, you know, seven years ago I could have had. Yeah. I I'd probably put you on alert too. You're so aware of all all the other things going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I personally immediately got my PSA checked. I'll bet yeah, just to make sure that we yeah. were all good. Yeah, so you're out there talking about that, and yeah, and now it's it was always something you, you didn't want to talk about. Now medical stuff is was always kind of a hush hush. Now it's everything is is on the table and out there, and it's not it's it's good to go after it. And, and the, the old attitude has changed to more aggressive treatment uh, more uh, you know powerful it's more powerful now than it yeah was. i think earlier treatment men and women are very different um as a urologist i take care of a lot of men mm. uh even though we do take care of some women as well but women will tell all their friends about breast cancer Everything. they'll tell all their family members i yeah. have breast cancer please get checked guys historically will kind of put their head in the sand and not tell anyone which is the exact opposite thing you should be doing yeah. so you know a guy gets diagnosed with prostate cancer and they need to tell their sons mm-hmm. they need to tell their family their brothers their their uncles and everyone and, the and things, they really yeah. should be telling all their friends because think about it one in five or one in seven guys have it if you have 20 friends like two three guys have prostate cancer you need to make sure your friends are going to help screened. them too but a lot of times these uh, like we're at st mary's do have support groups and that kind of kickstarts them a little bit. Everybody kind of talking amongst themselves, whether it's cancer, uh, heart surgeons, or however. There's always support groups that yeah. uh, you can within that kind of get the ball rolling a little bit. Yeah, we have a prostate yeah. cancer support group at St. Mary, and and the physicians in my practice participate in that you know meeting where we go, and it, it's kind of a very laid back, relaxed yeah. atmosphere, which is very different because most patients don't get that with their physician because you are kind of on a schedule, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of patients, and there's only so much time. But it's like an hour, hour and a half where you get to sit back and really just informally ask any questions or just kind of talk. Yeah, you know, kind of a man-to-man thing. Yeah, you know, not not more like a doctor-patient thing. As uh, as a doctor, do you find that helpful too to find out some of the reactions some patients have and support groups? So does that help you in your job as well? It does. It, it's interesting when you hear patients their their side of it because even though you think you're doing an amazing job at explaining everything, then you're hearing these guys and they just don't have all the facts 100. percent So I, I find that a really rewarding process where you can sit there and really kind of they're not most of the time they're not even my patients. They're just yeah. coming to the hospital for the for the support group. Yeah, you find out what's bothering them. And yeah. that's uh, that 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 starts a conversation and then you move on from there. So as we wrap up uh, with Dr. Jameson Jaffe. Uh, division chair, Department of Urology. So, division chair, what does that mean? You get to you get the you get to call the shots and say this is the way it's going to be, or heads are going to roll. Yeah, I don't think so. I think oh, it just means oh. more meetings and headaches. More but... meetings and more work. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. hey, you're the you're the guy with the uh, behind the well all the fusion going on there you got the power so that's uh, it goes with the it goes with the territory right doc uh, i don't I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure but it it, it it goes but it is it does go and uh, and that's what happens with prostate cancer because you want everything to go <laughs> literally right yes and we yeah. really do yeah. have an amazing program at st yeah. mary's really great stuff and, and uh, for those who listen the first time and maybe that'll it'll spark somebody said yeah maybe i should get screened maybe i'll just take another shot at this or or maybe i should find out exactly how my body is working or not working Mm -hmm. and that's the best thing too the education process and get it all out there and get it working yeah i think just getting screened making Mm -hmm. sure everything's okay and just keeping up with that annually is the way to go that's the way to do it and uh 
good to have you in studio. I know we probably had you out on site, but uh, now I get a chance to keep talking about this as many times as we can. And who knows, by the time we meet next, we will be talking about something new and exciting, right? I'm sure. Yeah, hopefully. But thank you so much for the invitation. I really oh, appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. it very much and a lot of great information out there. Dr. Jameson Jaffe, our guest, uh, he is the Department of Urology Division Chair and with St. Mary Healthline, another edition. Thanks a lot for listening here on WBCB.